Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Chartwell Retirement Residences Q3 2021 Financial Results Conference Call. I would like now to turn the meeting over to the CEO, Vlad Volodarsky. Please go ahead. Thank you, Chris. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. There is a slide presentation to accompany this conference call available on our website at chartwell.com under the Investor Relations tab. Joining me are Karen Sullivan, President and Chief Operating Officer, Sherry Harris, our Chief Financial Officer, and Jonathan Balakia, our Chief Investment and Chief Legal Officer. Before we begin, I direct you to the cautionary statements on slide two, because during the call we may make statements containing forward-looking information and non-GAAP measures. Our MDNA and other securities filings contain information about the assumptions, risks, and uncertainties inherent in such forward-looking statements and details of such non-GAAP measures. More specifically, I direct you to the added disclosures in our MDNA for the year ended December 31, 2020, under the heading COVID-19 Business Impact and Related Risks, for a discussion of risks and uncertainties related to the pandemic. These documents can be found on our website or at cedar.com. Following continuing improvements in our leading indicators, um, we are now seeing occupancy gradually recovering led by strong improvements in our Western Canada portfolios. Having visited several our residences recently, I know that our teams are focused on continuing occupancy recovery and are looking forward to welcoming new residents to their communities. Karen will speak about various initiatives that we're putting in place to help them in this recovery. While many infection prevention and control protocols introduced during the pandemic remain in place, we continue and we continue to invest in residents and staff safety measures the pandemic-related expenses have been gradually coming back to more normalized levels. The frequency and severity of COVID-19 outbreaks have declined thanks to high vaccination rates of our residents and staff and in the community at large. Our mandatory staff vaccination policy has been in place in Ontario and Western Canada since October 12th and will be effective in Quebec on November 15th. We serve and care for people who are most vulnerable to this virus, and we see it as our duty to do our best to protect them. At this time, vaccinations are the best defense available, and that is why we are leading the retirement living sector with the implementation of this mandatory vaccination policy across the country. Our long-term care team has done an excellent job admitting new residents to their homes. Our long-term care portfolio is now at 96.5% occupancy, excluding beds taken out of inventory due to restrictions on admissions in three and four bed wards and beds reserved for isolation. With the completion of our unit offering in August 2021, proceeds of which were partially used to repay our indebtedness, we created balance sheet flexibility to execute on our strategic objectives, including acquisition opportunities should they become available. We continue to maintain significant liquidity of $338.6 million and an unencumbered asset pool valued at over $1 billion. We have now completed construction of two new residences, 
The 172-suite Charwell Guildwood welcomed its first residence in September, and 122 apartments addition to Charwell Montgomery Village will have their first move-in in late November. Both residences had strong pre-leasing, with Charwell Guildwood having 71% of its suites reserved and Montgomery having 38% reservations. I will now turn the call over to Karen to provide her operational update. Karen? Thanks, Vlad. Turning to slide four, I'm pleased to report that we continue to have only a small number of outbreaks in our retirement residences and long-term care homes across the country, including no outbreaks at this time in our Ontario LTC homes. With respect to the four homes that are currently in outbreak, in two residences, the number of residents and staff affected is very small, and we're, with respect to larger outbreaks in two retirement residences and smaller uh, communities in northern Ontario, the affected residents and staff are either asymptomatic or have rel relatively mild symptoms. The change in outcomes in our sector is due to the very high vaccination rates amongst our residents, 97.5% uh, of residents with at least one dose, as well as Chartwell's mandatory vaccination policy for staff, which is in place in all of our homes and residences across the country. This includes moving forward with our policy in Quebec where the provincial government recently decided not to proceed with a mandatory vaccination policy for healthcare workers. We believe strongly that this policy is essential in all of our homes to protect the vulnerable population that we serve. The implementation of this policy has resulted in very few layoffs and terminations thanks to our dedicated staff across the country committed to keeping their residents safe. We're also very pleased that our residents as well as uh, healthcare workers have been prioritized for the third dose booster shot with administration uh, completed in our LTC homes in Ontario and well underway in our other platforms. We're also seeing provinces including BC, Alberta and Ontario prioritize third doses for our employees. The high vaccination rates and improved outcomes have continued to lead to reduced restrictions in our residences across the country and people are now returning for in-person tours Families are joining us for delicious meals again, and exciting group activities are back on the calendar. Overall, changes in capacity to access stores, restaurants, gyms, sporting events, etc., in the broader communities where we operate are also leading to a new sense of normalcy that will help with overall confidence during the coming weeks, which are traditionally some of our best sales weeks of the year. This, combined with pent-up demand, should result in occupancy improvements in our retirement residences across the country. We are seeing signs of this in terms of improvements in our leading indicators, including a 35% increase in initial contacts and a 55% increase in personalized tours quarter over quarter, and most importantly, an increase of 31% in permanent move-ins with permanent move-outs down 5% in Q3 2021 compared to Q3 2020. Specifically, we have seen a significant rebound in our Western Canada uh, properties with Ontario beginning to gain occupancy and Quebec occupancy stabilizing. Turning to slide five, our always-on multimedia marketing campaign, Think You Know Retirement Living, Think Again, showcases the very best as aspects of retirement living, including social connections, leisure experiences, and visits with families and friends. We're also well underway in producing our winter campaign, which has an emphasis on the support and care services that are available in a retirement residence. From connection to staff to healthy and nutritious meals, as well as housekeeping and maintenance and care services, we are reinforcing our message towards a needs-based audience for the winter months. Our website, chartwell.com, just received a design makeover to improve the user experience. Based on an analysis of the website data and changing market conditions, 
a property-oriented design was determined to be the best approach for the next iteration of the website. Along with making property search the focal point on the home page, we are also helping website visitors navigate through the property pages more easily. Early analysis shows positive results in generating inquiries and property material downloads. In Q3, we completed our fall sales training sessions with our retirement living consultants across the country with a focus on our sales process, the use of videos as an enhanced sales tool, improvements to our prospect data collection process, and the advantages of our business development strategy. With 11 business development managers now in place across the country focused on building relationships with community influencers, including healthcare professionals, realtors, financial planners, etc., we are increasing our referral base. This strategy, along with the rollout of Club Chartwell, our resident referral program, is designed to focus on prospects with the highest closing ratios, specific, specifically those who have been referred by a trusted source. Finally, turning to slide six, the operations team continues to focus on the Chartwell experience, including returning to in-person training sessions for new staff. Work also continues on our staffing optimization project to maximize full-time positions in our residences and better align staffing levels to occupancy, care, and service levels. Also, with respect to staffing in Q3, we hired additional recruitment resources to assist us to fill frontline and managers' vacancies in our homes. Our new Care Assist program in Ontario has led to steady growth in care revenue month over month, and we are now augmenting this with access to virtual physician services in all of our residences in Ontario, with plans to introduce both of these programs in Western Canada in 2022. Our expenses continue to decrease as the pandemic restrictions ease and case counts have subsided. This includes a reduction in cost for PPE and additional pandemic-related staffing. We are also pleased to see the Ontario provincial government make important steps to increase the staffing levels in our long-term care homes, including funding to begin to move to an average of four hours of care per resident per day, which if passed will be enshrined in new legislation recently introduced by the government. I would now like to turn it over to Sherry to discuss our financial results. Thank you, Karen. As shown on slide seven, in Q3 2021, net income was 0.9 million compared to a net loss of 6.8 million in Q3 2020. For Q3 2021, FFO was 33.9 million or 15 cents per unit compared to 38 million or 17 cents per unit in Q3 2020. The decrease is primarily due to lower occupancy, sales of non-core properties, and lower interest income, partially offset by lower finance costs and higher management fee revenue. Slide 8 summarizes our same property operating platform results. Our same property adjusted NOI decreased by 4.2 million, or 6.5%, in Q3 2021 compared to Q3 2020, as a result of lower occupancy of 78.2% in Q3 2021 compared to 83.2% in Q3 2020. Same property retirement occupancy was 76.5% for Q3 2021 compared to 82.4% for Q3 2020, or a decline of 5.9 percentage points, which resulted in lower revenue of approximately 10.3 million compared to Q3 2020. On a sequential quarter basis, our Western Canada platform achieved strong growth 
with weighted average same property occupancy increasing 1.9 percentage points from Q2 2021. Our Ontario platform occupancies began to stabilize during the quarter with a small sequential quarter decline. The pace of decline in our Quebec platform slowed. The following additional factors affected our same property retirement operations results. With a reduction in the number and severity of COVID-19 outbreaks, we have been gradually and safely reducing expenses to levels commensurate with our occupancies and service levels. Net pandemic expenses were 0.6 million in Q3 2021, compared to net pandemic expenses of 2.9 million in Q3 2020. In Q2 2021, we had net pandemic recoveries of 3.2 million. In Q3 2021, we generated higher revenue from inflationary and market-based rental and service rate increases, including from the provision of additional care and services as residents age in place longer. With fewer departures during the pandemic to long-term care, needs have increased. We also experienced higher utilities and insurance expenses. Our same property long-term care home occupancy based on total capacity of licensed beds was 89% compared to 88.3% in Q3 2020, an increase of 0.7 percentage points due to higher admissions. For Q3 2021, Weighted average occupancy, excluding the beds that are not available due to reduced capacity in three and four bed ward rooms and rooms designated for isolation and cohorting, was 96.5%. Occupancy protection funding provided by the Ontario government will continue until January 31, 2022. For Q3 2021, same property adjusted long-term care NOI increased 1 million or 16.7% due to lower pandemic-related expenses, partially offset by higher utilities and insurance expenses and lower retirement accommodation revenues. Turning to slide nine, you will see our monthly occupancies. The pandemic and related government and health authority restrictions and directives have resulted in decreased occupancy levels due to reduced move-in activity in our retirement residences compared to pre-pandemic levels. Pandemic-related restrictions and directives included restrictions affecting resident move-ins, prospect tours, dining services, group activities, housekeeping, visitation, and both short and long-term leaves, among others. With the large-scale successful vaccination program, pandemic-related restrictions in both our residences and in the communities in which we operate continue to ease. Current Public Health Agency of Canada modeling projects that the pandemic-related restrictions can continue to be gradually lifted and that with public health measures like vaccine passports and masking mandates remaining in place through the fall and winter, hospital capacity is not likely to be exceeded. As a result, we believe there is a low likelihood of pervasive restrictions needing to be broadly reintroduced. As these restrictions have been significantly lifted, we have seen increases in personal tour bookings, lease signings, and permanent move-ins. In August 2021, our occupancy overall increased, led by our Western platform, and demand for needs-based move-ins across the country. Our Quebec residences have continued to experience declines in occupancy. 
We believe that if pandemic-related restrictions continue to ease, move-ins will continue recovering, and occupancies in our retirement residences will continue to grow in 2022, supported by strong demographic growth, which increases to 5.2% in 2022 for the 75-plus cohort in the four provinces in which we operate. Pent-up demand, it is likely that due to the isolation and reduced services available during the pandemic, needs of older adults in the community have increased. And there have been significantly lower construction starts since the onset of the pandemic compared to historical levels. And as such, there will be fewer new retirement residence openings relative to past levels. Looking to our estimates for Q4 occupancies, the Western Ontario continued to grow their occupancies in October, while Quebec occupancy declined. Ontario is expected to remain stable. The West is moving up in November, with December notices not quite yet offset by leases. And Quebec is expected to increase slightly in December. Our November and December forecasts are based on leases and notices on hand, and as a result, do not include needs-based move-ins that would typically occur mid-month. December is typically our strongest move-in month of the year. For comparison, our estimate of August 2021 on this basis was 76.3% for our same property retirement portfolio, and our actual occupancy for August came in at 76.6%, 30 basis points higher. As you can see on slide 10, our interest coverage ratio was 2.9 times at September 30th, 2021. Our debt to gross book value calculated using the historical cost of our assets was 48.8% at September 30th, 2021. Our net debt to adjusted EBITDA ratio was 9.6 times. Turning to slide 11, at November 11th, 2021, liquidity amounted to 338.6 million, which included 86.3 million of cash and cash equivalents and $252.3 million of borrowing capacity on our credit facilities. In addition, our share of cash and cash equivalents held in our equity-accounted JVs was $15.4 million. At November 11, 2021, we have $22.2 million of mortgage maturities remaining in 2021, of which $3.5 million are CMHC insured. We have $204.5 million of mortgage maturities in 2022, of which 74.9 million are CMHC insured. In addition, there are 15.1 million of remaining 2021 mortgage maturities and 10.9 million of 2022 mortgage maturities in our equity-accounted JVs. We have strong lending relationships and scheduled refinancings of our mortgage maturities in 2021 and 2022 are proceeding in the normal course. Our mortgage maturities remain well staggered with an average term to maturity of 6.5 years at September 30th, 2021. At September 30th, 2021, our unencumbered assets had a value of approximately $1 billion. Our ratio of unencumbered assets to unsecured indebtedness increased to 2.1 times at September 30th, 2021. We currently have three projects under construction, which are budgeted to require an additional $85.5 million over the next 18 months, as noted on slide 12. We have recommenced construction of the 90-suite addition to Chartwell Ridgepoint Retirement Residence in Kamloops, BC. 
In addition, we regularly invest in capital in our owned portfolio with the goal of growing our property NOI and protecting and maintaining our properties. We expect to continue to be selective in our capital allocations in 2021. Now turn it over to Vlad. Thank you, Sherry. I believe we're now on the path to recovery. Our sales leading indicators continue to improve, followed by gradual improvements in our occupancies. I'm confident that the initiatives Karen's team has been implementing will go a long way in supporting our residences in their quest to deliver exceptional personalized experiences to our residents, which will continue to drive occupancy and cash flow recovery. I know that our residences teams are committed to our vision of making people's lives better and now more than ever are excited to welcome new residents and to drive our post-pandemic recovery. The prospects of our sector remain bright. We deliver much-needed services and care to Canada's seniors. This need has not gone away. Likely, it has been exacerbated by the pandemic, creating a pent-up demand for our services, which will support continuing occupancy recovery. The growth in population of people over the age of 75 is beginning to accelerate, with 2022 growth projected at 5.2%. This growth will remain robust over the next 20-plus years, supporting demand for our services. There continues to be a shortage of LTC beds across the country, and while various governments are taking steps to reduce the shortage, it is unlikely that they will be able to fund new beds to fully satisfy this existing and growing demand. Retirement residences are well positioned to fulfill this void. In the medium term, the slowdown of new construction starts during the pandemic will result in fewer new residence openings in 2022 and 2023, further supporting occupancy recovery and growth. Housing markets remain robust across the country, which makes it easier for our prospective residents to sell their homes and finance their retirement living. All these factors contribute to my optimism about the future of the senior living sector in general, and Charwell in particular. Most of all, my optimism is fueled by the tremendous dedication, commitment, and passion of our employees. To all of you in our residences and corporate offices for everything you have and continue to do in supporting and serving our residents, their families and, and each other, for your courage and sacrifice, for your kindness and empathy, for your resilience and tenacity, and for doing the right thing all the time, every time. Thank you for everything. We would now be pleased to answer your questions. Thank you. So we will now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your device's keypad. When prompted by the system, please clearly state your name to register your question. You may cancel your question at any time by pressing star 2. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while participants register for questions. Thank you for your patience. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive. And that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at chime.com build. That's chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. 
The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 support your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. We will take the first question. Please go ahead. Jonathan Kelcher. Thanks. Uh, good morning. Morning, Jonathan. Um, first question. You just, well, you seem very optimistic on on near term um, occupancy. But if we if we look at what you guys did in the quarter and and just with the outlook that you've given to the end of the year, it it is um, kind of behind what peers are reporting. Um, what do you, what do you think? That's a is that maybe a function of you guys holding rate or or what do you think it is? Um, yeah, we, we had expected a bit faster occupancy recovery um, before, and um, we um, certainly, if you look at the composition of our portfolio compared to peers, it's a bit different um, in that uh, we are um, rather heavily weighted in Quebec with a more independent um, living uh, residents, and those uh, residents, uh, we, we said that the recovery actually there probably will take longer because of the type of restrictions that we put our residents in Quebec through during the pandemic, which was mandated by the government. Um, we are seeing much better um, improvements in the more needs-driven sectors of our portfolio, um, and our expectation that that will continue through, um, through, the, months of, of, through the coming months. Okay, so if we if we look ahead to next year, um, what when do you think you sort of cross into overall occupancy growth? Well, we have been um, showing gradual occupancy growth. You see, our Western Canada platform has been um, doing pretty well since uh, pretty much July. Um, our Ontario platform occupancies have stabilized. And as uh, you can see, the Quebec continues to come down. Our expectation is that all four or, or three platforms will um, revert back to occupancy growth. Um, now, we, we historically been experiencing, as you know, the slowdown of occupancy in the winter month. Um, our expectation is that this year it's probably going to be less um, than normal because of the pent-up demand that we have, um, that we believe we have in the system. Okay. Do you, so do you, you think you're into the low to mid 80s at some point next year? Yeah, I mean, it, it is one of those crystal ball questions, kind of hard to predict. Yep. Uh, my, my expectation is that there is pent up demand. People have not been able to move into senior living for a very long time, um, particularly the news driven um, uh, population that that needs hasn't gone away, and if anything, it's probably harder for them to stay in their homes now with uh, fewer supports. So uh, my expectation is that that will drive um, the shorter-term recovery, and um, as I spoke about in my prepared remarks, mid- to long-term recovery 
uh, factors are uh, very positive from both from demographic growth perspective and the slowdown of new home openings. Okay, thanks. I'll uh, turn it back. Thank you. We will take the next question. Please go ahead. Himanshu Gupta. Thank you and good morning. So just morning. on the occupancy discussion in Quebec, uh, I think you mentioned you have more share of independent living residents there. Uh, so what is the average age of residents in your Quebec platform? Uh, is it very different compared to Ontario and other regions? Um, it, it's not that different. It's a little bit younger, um, but uh, really it's a question of uh, the needs when people move in the retirement residences. Uh, pretty much in the rest of the country, um, those are the people that need today assistance with activities of daily living, um, like meals, housekeeping, medication administration, um, and things like that. In Quebec, uh, people, the majority of people move in more for kind of social reasons um, and have less of a need in that with, with activities of daily living. Got it. And then, uh, you know, sticking to Quebec, based on your sales team feedback, uh, what could be the shape, shape of recovery there? I mean, you think this team can go on for another six months before you see any recovery there? No, our leading indicators that we spoke about uh, on, on a few calls now continue to point to uh, an occupancy recovery across the board in all of our platforms. We're seeing uh, good improvements in our initial contact, personalized tours, and we're getting more leases signed now than we had in the past. And so um, that all points to the beginning of occupancy recovery across the board. Okay, got it. And then just shifting to Ontario platform, uh, you know, December occupancy almost flattish with July. Uh, I mean, with so high rate of vaccination, not many COVID case counts. Uh, was it in line with your internal expectations? Uh, and then is it only few markets which is slowing down the recovery in Ontario, or is it across the board? Uh, yeah, we, we do have some challenging markets for sure, um, including um, we have a number of homes uh, in the Ottawa area that were challenged even before um, uh, the pandemic. So. Uh, some of that is, is that, and as I as said, you know, the occupancy recovery hasn't been as quick as we had hoped, but um, we are really pleased with these leading indicators and what they're showing. Um, also, I would point out in Ontario, um, where we do have assisted living and memory living units, we are seeing uh, stronger recovery and um, uh, also, more positive month-over-month um, care revenue, and we introduced, um, during the pandemic, our new Care Assist program for our residents to purchase additional care services in Ontario, uh, which helps them age in place longer. And we do have uh, less turnover uh, than in the past. So all of those things, as well as the host of things I said in my uh, prepared remarks around our marketing campaigns, uh, our website update, our uh, overall sales process and and our focus on resident referrals, which are you know the um, of all of the prospects, these are the ones that um, convert the most. Uh, we see this as really positive. Also, Sherry and I both mentioned in our remarks that this is the best part of our year for leasing, um, so that gives us optimism as well. 
Got it. Thank you. Uh, and then on similar lines, uh, I mean, you guys have said before that Canada is probably three to four months behind U.S. in terms of the shape of recovery. Uh, do you still believe that? Hamanshu, thanks for the question. And you know, the actual stringency measures that were in place in Canada did persist for um, quite a bit longer than they did in the U.S. So I think that has contributed to the delay. Um, the two most stringent provinces would be Ontario and Quebec, which is where our portfolio is weighted to. And while Quebec shows up on that stringency index as number two as it related to retirement residences, it was the most stringent in terms of residence-specific, retirement residence-specific restrictions. Got it. Thank you. And probably the last question is on the cost structure. Uh, I mean, do you use uh, agency hiring in Quebec more than the rest of the platform? And what kind of wage pressure did you see in Quebec during the quarter? Um, yes, we, we have been, uh, throughout this pandemic, um, we had to use agency staffing um, pretty much everywhere um, because of various reasons, and, and we need increased staffing levels in the homes to uh, keep residents safe. Historically and now, we have been using agencies more in Quebec, uh, particularly in the areas like Quebec City that had, um, even pre-pandemic, significant um, challenges with staffing. Um, we have a project that is ongoing within the company um, where we are looking to um, standardize scheduling, increase the uh, percentage of hours delivered by full-time employees, and provide additional flexibility for people to select their part-time shifts. And we expect that as a result of that project, we will be able to reduce the use of agency staff in, in our homes. And also with um, kind of reduction of government subsidies for people to stay at home, uh, we hope that there's going to be more people um, available to work in retirement residences across the country. Thank you, guys. I'll, I'll turn it back. Thanks. Thank you. We will now take the next question. Please go ahead. Frank Liu. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Hello. Good morning. So uh, just wondering about the LTC occupancy, like it's good to see the occupancy rebounded to the 89% this quarter with higher admissions. And I just wonder, I just want to get your uh, your opinion on the expectations in terms of the occupancy at the end of this year and moving to 2022 on the LTC front. Well, our occupancy in our long-term care portfolio, if you exclude the isolation beds that we require not to fill and keep for isolation and uh, restrictions on the admission to three and four bed wards, which took some beds out of inventory. If you exclude those beds, we're actually at 96.5% occupancy, which is stabilized occupancy for the long-term care portfolio. The occupancy protection that the government put in place uh, remains in place until the new year. And um, we will um, continue to, our expectation is to continue to run at this full occupancy and um, uh, unless restrictions on the admissions in three and four bed wards are, are lifted, those bets will continue to have to be supported by the government financially, but we will not be ac accepting residents in those. Beds. All right, thank you. Uh, and just, I guess, switching gears to the capital recycling front, so I saw you you know, disclose the disposition of the retirement home in Ontario. Uh, you know, 
Do you think, do you see the pricing is getting better now? And uh, I wonder, do you see more opportunities down the road moving to 2022? We're actually seeing uh, opportunities for more acquisition and disposition, I suppose, to the, the portfolio or properties that we have sold and, and have been selling historically are non-core um, properties for Charwell. They're usually smaller homes in smaller markets, and this portfolio is um, no different. Um, we are seeing uh, interesting acquisition opportunities in the marketplace. Um, there's also more competition for those opportunities. Um, and so there's really no guarantees if we'll be successful in pursuing any of these, um, but it's good to see that uh, there are some opportunities now. Okay, I guess, I guess just follow up on that. Where do you see the competition? Is it, is it like Canadian entities or it's more U.S. private equity? Hi, it's Jonathan. Um, we. We're seeing, uh, I suppose, more competition from um, U.S. Um, equity shops, uh, but we're also seeing, you know, competition in the Canadian market as well. So the um, consistent um, increased uh, interest in our sector, which is which is always a good thing. Okay, thanks. And uh, my last question, I guess, uh, on the financing side. You know, that EBITDA has improved uh, quite well to uh, 9.7 times. Uh, how, how's your conversation with your, I wonder, like, how's the conversation with the rating agency? Like, do you expect to, you know, I, I guess they list some criteria. Do you guys, do you guys expect to meet the criteria and, uh, you know, resolve the, the current trend? I mean, certainly we are, um, with the recent equity issue that has uh, improved our net debt to EBITDA, um, we definitely want to see go-forward improvements by uh, improving EBITDA, and that will happen with occupancy recovery. Um, and I think the combination of those things will result in uh, improvements to, to that rating. But I would say that we need to continue to move the dial on uh, improving EBITDA as well. All right. Thank you. I'll turn it back. Thank you. We will now take the next question. Please go ahead. Tommy Burr. Thanks, Ed. Uh, good morning. Um, just with respect to Quebec, have the majority of the restrictions now been lifted or are still in the, are still some in place? No, they have been lifted. So they were a little bit behind the other provinces, but now um, uh, very much in line with the uh, rest of the country. Okay. And so we've... Mommy, I think you've broken up. We can't hear you. Chris, are you there? Yes, I am here. We will go on to the next question. Please go ahead. Kyle Woolley. Hi, good morning, everyone. Morning. Good morning. Uh, so, Sherry, when I looked at my forecast versus what uh, you guys reported this uh, last night, um, on the retirement side, you know, I got the occupancy, you know, roughly, roughly where I thought it would be, um, but the NOI was significantly lower. And I'm wondering if you can just sort of walk through between Q1 to Q2 to Q3, like what some of the changes were there, because it, it, it seems to me like I, something, something was off in my forecasting, and I'm just trying to understand uh, what some of the differences were, because the, the drop in occupancy between Q1 and Q2 was a lot greater. 
and there was not as much of an NOI impact. Yeah, thanks, Cal. Good morning. Um, we've certainly had the benefit of, um, with the additional uh, measures that we've put in place through the pandemic as a result of the restrictions that were in place, that had uh, increased our costs, including additional staffing and PPE. Um, we had benefited from support for a number of those initiatives. And in Q2, we would have had recoveries of about $3.2 million uh, in terms of our net pandemic position. Uh, in Q3, we would be in a pandemic expense position of $0.6 million. So that creates a significant shift over the quarters. We have maintained our um, staffing levels and expenditures through the pandemic. Uh, and as a result, as we transition through occupancy recovery, we do expect to get back to pre-pandemic margins in, uh, on the other side of the pandemic. And it's so fair to say too that like your net pandemic expenses are probably gonna be lower going forward um, but we're still probably going to see a little bit of recovery still over time too. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a fair statement. Certainly, through the months of Q3, we we saw our pandemic expenditures start to decline with the lifting of restrictions. Um, we'd also have in Q3 tell uh, additional expenses for utilities just because of the seasonality of air conditioning. Um, cooling in the summer is just more expensive than our shoulder season that's in Q2. Um, that would certainly have impacted the Q2 to Q3 comparison, uh, but we do expect those to come down over time. Okay. And are you guys getting any, you know, like we, we didn't have much of a flu season last year. Are you getting any sort of color from um, public health or anything like that? What is sort of what maybe to expect this year or, or you know, the outlook maybe, a, you know, hopefully it'd be nice if we didn't really have a significant one again. Mm-hmm. That, that would be... Uh, very uh, hopeful that that's the case so far I would tell you because we look at the trend we look at the trend um, uh, as the season started which really flu season starts in September and we are slightly less um, than we were last year so that's hopeful we also have a very significant campaign uh, going on right now to encourage both our residents and our staff uh, to get the flu shot and we were uh, our, our group of residents are always the first ones uh, where uh, there's availability for them, so that is also going well. Okay, and um, just as you know, as the marketing machines start to get humming again here, the questions that you're getting um, from prospective tenants, like, are you are you having to sort of deal with new requests? new concerns like how you know what sort of the tenor between now pre-pandemic and post-pandemic yeah i mean they would certainly uh ask and want to understand um what the restrictions are uh the nice part is in the last uh you know short while we've been able to talk about how the restrictions have um lifted and changed so there's there's just a such a better feel in our homes right now because um uh, people are eating in the dining room uh, with, you know, three of their friends instead of just with one or in their room uh, on occasion uh, during outbreaks, et cetera. So, you know, I, I would say the, the most positive part is that our personalized tours are back 
And so people are coming into the homes, um, and um, as, you know, there's just such a better feel for that. But of course, they want to understand if there are those restrictions, and they ask those questions. Okay. And then uh, just just the terminology, just to make sure I understand exactly, you know, what you're talking about. When you talk about needs based, like you're basically saying, like these are tenants whose you know, whether their physical um, ability to remain in home has been compromised and they, you know, like the family or the family and the tenant have to sort of move, move quickly to get uh, to find, to find a residence versus more, I would guess you would say planned tenants. Is that, yeah. that kind of the way to think about it? Yeah, that, that, that is the way to think about it. I mean, we get, we get residents moving in, in the month that they actually contact us. Those are the most needs driven, um, and sometimes they even come out of uh, hospital or or um, you know maybe they've had some support at home, but people are going back to work um, and so that's changing as well so um, uh, you know those are the most needs based but I would also say that you know people age sort of slowly over time and and sometimes um, uh, you know we encourage people to to look into retirement living um, as early as possible. And I would say we're starting to see some of those people who maybe we talked to even pre-pandemic who have now aged in place and really need our, our services. And uh, our Care Assist program, I think, is helping with that because, you know, we always have provided meals and housekeeping, but now, you know, people are focused on having med management and um, perhaps assistance with um, uh, portering to the dining room, et cetera. Okay. And then um, I think for uh, my last one, can you just talk a little bit more about this this Care Assist program? And is this something that is uh, differentiable and can competitors sort of follow suit on what you're trying to do there? Yeah. I mean, we've always sold additional care services. Um, we've just standardized our offerings. Um, we've packaged them in a way that I think is um, easier for prospects to understand um, and, and for us to deliver uh, as well. So um, I, I, you know, I, I think it, it is a, a differentiator and uh, definitely a, a focus for our homes, particularly in Ontario where those third and fourth uh, uh, Beds are closed in long-term care, and there's um, a lot of, as we know, uh, pressure on the long-term care system. So that, uh, that was part of our focus in putting that together so that people could stay with us safely and um, also perhaps in some cases, when it's appropriate, choose, choose us rather than long-term care. And again, just respect to the, reti the retirement occupancy forecast, to be clear, what you said earlier was that the it reflects the leases you have in hand. It does not reflect any needs-based stuff, which clearly is also part of the business. So if things go normally, you would, you know, it wouldn't be shocking if you if you came in ahead of those numbers. Correct. That's that is what we would anticipate. We've included leases and notices on hand, and as Karen and I mentioned, you know, our leading indicators are ticking up and. December is always uh, typically a good move-in month for us. 
So I am cautiously optimistic on that front. Our figures at August, we came about 30 basis points ahead of that, but August is a relatively low move-in month typically. So um, just to give you some indication of, of where I would see potential upside in that number. Okay, that's great. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Once again, please press star 1 on your device's keypad if you have a question. We will take the next question. Please go ahead. Tommy Burr. Hi, sorry about that. I'm not sure what happened there, but just maybe coming back to that 30 basis points of perhaps better than expected if you pick up in August, um, would that mostly from the uh, unanticipated needs needs based move-ins? And then just secondly, is there has there been maybe an historical sort of pattern or estimate of what um, you know those needs based move-ins can can you know drive on a monthly basis if you took sort of a long term average? Uh, you know, it, it really has a bit of seasonality to it, Tommy. I mean, when we're in a positive leasing season, they they go up. And um, when it's not, you know, when we're in January and February, which is a little lower, they tend to be um, a little softer. So, so this is the time of year when they are um, typically a little bit higher. You know, we won't have visibility to that until we get into December, and we'll just have to see, you know, how that, that plays out. Got it. Um, just with respect to the, the mandatory staff vaccinations, you know, it seems like there hasn't been any real material impact to date. But you know, are you expecting perhaps potentially increased reliance on maybe agency staff as a result of that? No, it was a, in the end a very small uh, number of our frontline staff who um, uh, did not comply with the policy. So um, there just have not been big ramifications from, from the vaccination policy. It's been very positive, I think, and also a good um, selling feature for um, uh, prospects uh, in our retirement homes to know that the staff are all vaccinated. And we certainly do have initiatives around reducing agency utilization. It's not our preferred um, approach, but we've become more coordinated and centralized about that, and certainly that's part of how we are bringing our costs down and would expect that to continue um, through next year. So um, once, you know, there are a number of um, initiatives that will, we think, improve that result. Maybe just as an extension of that, uh, Sherry, what, what, um, what rough percentage of your labor costs are currently agency-based versus what that might have been perhaps pre-pandemic? We'll have to get back to you, Pami, on that. We don't have the numbers at, at our fingertips, but they certainly have been a lot higher during the pandemic than they were pre-pandemic. Again, it also depends uh, on the market. As I mentioned, in Quebec City, we had historically been running higher agency costs because of the staffing challenges that we had there. But in terms of specific numbers, we'll have to get back to you. Okay, got it. Um, and then just um, maybe you know, coming back to the margins and, and you know, all your commentary around you know, the documents you pick up and, and I guess declining uh, pandemic-related costs, what are perhaps some of your initial thoughts uh, as we think about maybe just the next 12 months in terms of what the margin pickup could be? And then just secondly, is it you know fair to say that Q3 marked uh, the trough? 
Well, I think over time we would expect to be back to our pre-pandemic levels. I mean, Vlad has mentioned we have a typical winter dip uh, and we have seasonality that I spoke about, you know, earlier around utilities as well. Um, the winter months being, you know, more expensive in terms of heating. Um, so that will that certainly plays into things. We do believe that with you know pent up demand and the improvements that we're seeing in our leading indicators, some of that traditional winter dip will be alleviated. Um, but we would look to you know occupancies recovering and bringing down our expenses and to be on the other side and returning to pre-pandemic levels of margins. Got it. Uh, just last one for me, um, maybe just coming back to the disposition, um, can you could just provide some power on the locations, like which markets were those in, and perhaps the, uh, the expected NOI impact? <clears throat> yeah, the, these uh, four homes were not core to our portfolio. They were smaller properties in smaller Ontario communities. Um, uh, we uh, were very grateful for um, the transition out uh, and it continues that our staff has shown great professionalism through. Uh, and of course, our focus has been on, on um, our residents and making sure that uh, they are in good hands and with a quality operator. Um, the occupancy on the asset solds was in the uh, mid-80s. Um, and the sale price or cap rate on on these sales was consistent, I think, with um, similar properties in similar locations uh, that we're seeing, which is in the mid to high six uh, cap rate. Um, the impact to NOI is not really uh, material uh, due to the size of the assets. Thanks very much. I'll, uh, I'll turn it back. Thank you. Thank you. We will now take the next question. Please go ahead. Himanshu Gupta. Hi, guys. Uh, sorry, there's a follow-up here. Uh, in fact, my question was on the disposition about the cap rate. Uh, and if I heard it correctly, you mentioned mid to high six cap rate. Was that on normalized NOI or in-place NOI? That would be on normalized NOI would be at the higher six and on in-place in the mid six. Got it. Thank you. Uh, and then just one more question. Uh, how's the operating cost per occupied suite trending? And has that begun to, you know, trend lower now? And, uh, and you know, question regarding, you know, how variable or fixed is your operating cost? If occupancy were to move five points, how will that metric trend from here? Sure. Thank you, Manchu. I mean, certainly, you know, as we... Um, move forward through increasing our occupancy levels, um, you know, there will be lower incremental variable costs associated with that than there would have been historically because we have maintained our staffing levels through the pandemic. And um, so, you know, the additional costs that you would find on the increased occupancy would be food and supplies. Um, you've seen that, you know, we've had lower food costs because of lower occupancies. Uh, so I would expect that that would um, go up on the go forward. Um, so hopefully that trends, you know, currently as occupancies have come down, our cost per occupied suite has been uh, going up um, and we are bringing those uh, excess costs now back down into um, more normalized levels gradually and, and safely. Got it. Thank you. I'll turn back. Thank you. There are no further questions registered at this time. I'd like now to turn the meeting back over to Mr. Volodarsky. 
Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. As always, if you have any further questions, please do not hesitate to give us a call. Goodbye. Thank you. The conference is now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and thank you for your participation. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.